Interviews, storylines, updates, and conversation are on the way from Radio Row in Phoenix, Arizona. This is the Radio Row Review on 92 WICB Ithaca. Jane and Becca rocking with you and happy to be in Phoenix, Arizona, day four of Radio Row, bringing you another great episode. Alongside me is Dane Richardson, Matt Sasa, and Nick Lebrano. Happy to have them here with me. A fun day of work for us as we have guests throughout the night, former players, major names from the sports media landscape, and much, much more. Kicking things off right with a West Coast legend, we had the opportunity to talk with Greg Papa, play-by-play broadcaster for the San Francisco 49ers. The Buffalo, New York native joined Dane Richardson and Matt Sosler ready to talk football and his broadcasting journey. That was heartbroken this year. I thought... Uh... I thought it was going to be the Bills and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Mm. That would have been the dream matchup. And uh, we got to championship Sunday. Buffalo didn't, didn't do as well against uh, Berto and the Bengals and lost that home game. So I'm still thinking that may be next year in, in Vegas. Bills, 49ers. How cool wow. would that be? That, we that, on with that one? I'll tell you what. In Western New York, before we get into some questions for you, Western New York, I, I've been a runner for CBS for a few games. And – not only the Bills fan base, Josh Allen is regarded as probably almost like a god there yeah, with yeah. how much they respect him and not really respect him, almost worship him there. It's it's quite insane. Has there ever been anyone in San Francisco that's kind of been like that? Joe Montana? Joe Montana. I would say he's pretty <laughs> yeah, Willie Mays, so. you know, a few guys. But the thing about Josh, he's from Fireball, California, which is just outside of Fresno. So we know his story well. And uh, Wyoming it wasn't heavily recruited. And uh, Jim Kelly, you guys are probably too young to remember Jim Kelly and the K-Gun. But he was the perfect Buffalonian quarterback. Brought all his brothers out, and they lived in the same house and drank beer all day and raced hell. Uh, But a different kind of vibe back then. In today's world, Josh really is the perfect Buffalo quarterback. He just embraces the mentality of being a Buffalo Bill. And his skill set is just amazing. The one thing I, I do have to say, though, is he's... He's got to clean it up a little bit. There was just way too many turnovers this year, especially in the low red zone. Uh, I think he had a little bit of a problem with his UCL and the elbow, uh, and that's what our guy with the Niners, Brock Purdy, tore his yeah. in the championship game. I don't think Josh tore his ligament there, the ulnar collateral, but uh, he was damaged. And uh, there were a few games, the Minnesota game where they blew that lead, um, just reckless with the ball in the red zone. I think he was being fooled by coverage. So he's amazingly skilled. There's not too many guys that can run. His combination of size and strength and running ability, he doesn't get tackled. He just runs over tacklers. Exactly. I mean, the stiff arm and his arm is just incredible. Uh, We played him the pandemic year at Levi's, and he had some throws rolling to his right, right up against the sideline, and he's throwing daggers down the field or 20-yard chunks. You're like, wow, (laughs) how many guys on earth can do that? But he's got to clean it up. You can't win playoff games against people like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and give the ball to the other team the way he did. And that, that fumble he had, yeah, uh, the one against Miami, they were able to win that game, but you got to have two hands on the ball. Watch Burrow when he comes through the pocket and he's got, you know, people are all around his feet. He's always got two hands on the ball. And so Josh has just got to clean up a, a few things, but to your point, yeah, he's, he's Mr. Buffalo right now. Got to protect the football indeed. And San Francisco is in a bit of limbo. Who are you introducing as the starting quarterback in week one? Well, you, you know, my scenario is, and it's hard for us because we, we feel like the championship game, the NFC side, never started. Did that game start yet? I, I never even <laughs> saw the game after Brock Purdy got hurt on the sixth offensive Goodness. play. So uh, he's going to have surgery February the 22nd. And uh, he'll have, hopefully it won't be the Tommy John. They'll be able to brace it. Um, so he could throw within three months after the surgery, which will be two weeks from yesterday. So we're looking at Memorial Day weekend, maybe just throwing a Nerf ball or something, and then he'll, he'll step it up, and hopefully it'll be, um, you know, maybe it's not six months, maybe it's five. He's a hard worker. His dad was a, a minor league pitcher, Sean Purdy. So he's going to the doctor in Texas with the Rangers. Um, so, I, you know, his dad's got a little bit of, of uh, history with this. Um, but I, I think it'll be Brock. Um, but here's my scenario. Even though it was tough to watch the Eagles win that, that championship game, the nature they did, they're a good team, though. Really we, good. We saw yeah. Kansas City, obviously, in the Super Bowl 54. They're a good team. We saw them this year in October, and they lit the 49ers up. Here with Greg Papa, San Francisco 49ers broadcaster. What about the other two guys? Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. What's their future in San Francisco? 
Well, Jimmy, I think he's going to move on. Makes and sense. I, I was the one guy in town last year that, and I have a radio show every day myself for four hours, and I didn't understand trading Jimmy Garoppolo. I didn't get it. Um, luckily, he had a shoulder problem. He had surgery on March the 8th, and he, he couldn't get traded. But he wanted to go. They wanted to anoint Trey. I just, I, the thing with Trey, I just thought he needed at least one redshirt year. He only threw 318 passes in college. You know, smaller school, North Dakota yep. State. Yep. Um, so he, he needs more. So I thought at least one redshirt year, maybe two, maybe three. He didn't play college football. He's like an NBA guy. He's a, he's a one and done. He played one year of college football in one game in the pandemic year. He's got a lot of work to do. So I didn't see the need to get rid of Jimmy, but there's a market. There's a salary cap. There's draft picks coming back. They had to give up two ones and a third to get Trey. I, I, there's a business side of it. And Greg, you've called so many games in your career. A Bay Area broadcasting legend, the A's, the 49ers, the Raiders when they were in Oakland. Take the Warriors. Our, the Warriors, Fired by every team in the market. <laughs> <laughs> Take us through some of your favorite moments in each sport. Wow. You, may, you have so many to pick from, but for our listeners, you've seen so many fantastic plays, whether it's basketball, wow. baseball, football what are the first few that pop into your memory well when I, I i was lucky enough to be hired out of off the campus at syracuse when i was 21 i went to the indiana wow. pacers in the nba immediately and by age 23 i was the voice of the warriors uh in my first year you guys probably don't remember a guy named eric sleepy floyd yep played at georgetown <laughs> oh, back yeah. in the yep. day uh to this day he has the greatest scoring quarter in nba playoff history we were playing the Lakers, and it was a Showtime Lakers of Magic and Kareem, and um, they were up three games to none in the series. It was a Sunday afternoon. We go to the fourth quarter down uh, a few points, and Sleepy Floyd goes stark raving mad. He had 29 <laughs> points Goodness. in the fourth quarter alone, 39 in the second half, and he did it over Michael Cooper, and uh, he kept the Warriors alive. And still, Isaiah had a 25-point quarter with a bad ankle, and there have been some big quarters, but as far as a single quarter in playoff history sleepy's got the record um shortly after that i was doing ace baseball i had a chance to call nolan ryan's seventh no hitter is that the and only it, no hitter you've ever called no i've called quite a few no hitters actually really? there was the year my first year doing baseball in 1990 we had like four no hitters right away um almost called a perfect game one of the first games i ever did dave stewart threw a no hitter in toronto that year we had a lot we had a, we had a, a tag team no hitter with the baltimore orioles Came into Oakland with four different pictures, pitchers. But Nolan Ryan, he had started against the A's the start before in Arlington, and he wasn't very good. Jose Canseco had like a 500-foot home run against him, and I thought he's done. But you could tell right away that night he had that curveball going. And the A's, they didn't have a lot of their guys in the lineup. And I, the thing I remember the most about it was he he threw the no-hitter. He was 40, what was he, 41, 42? Goodness. So I, go, oh, I never asked anybody to sign my scorecard or anything. But I went down to the Rangers clubhouse <laughs> and I sought out Nolan. He's on the exercise bike. Oh my god. Oh, man. After he threw a you know, a no hitter, he's still on the bike working on his legs, dripping sweat, and he signs my <laughs> scorecard. So I got a few others in other sports. We saw a lot of Barry Bonds. Is that framed? Is I, that I got screwed? that one saved. Okay. I even got this, you know, the, the uh, beads of perspiration all over the scorecard <laughs> from Nolan's workout. You know, all the Barry Bonds moments, all the moments I had with the Raiders and Super Bowls and big that moments with the Niners, but Nolan Ryan's no-hitter was pretty cool. And being able to – and he was cool to me after to be able to to uh, talk to me on the bike, so that was great. A couple more questions. First one, what's one piece of advice you have to young broadcasters? Uh, take my job <laughs> and send me the money. Would be uh, – <laughs> Honestly, be, I, I got like I, five listen, jobs. Take any one of them. Listen, I just need the money. I will I tell you. five kids and – Last one's in law school. I so. will tell you this right that, now. That's, that's I, will gladly, I will gladly as, do it. As a senior, Matt and I will you gladly do it as seniors. And I'll buy no, your beers don't. for you. I'll oh buy your God. beers see, for you. See, that's, that's yeah. all you need. That's all you need. We're at Radio Row this week. Right. You know, next week we're back at college. It's, it's a regular Saturday night with the friends. Like, right. you know, go to right. a bar, have some <laughs> right. fun, party, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yes, we will gladly. Well, I, we graduate in May, so we'd love to do that. But you're probably going to go much longer than that. No, I, I'm, I'm about done. <laughs> I started at age 21, guys. I'm 60. I've been doing this a long time. Wow. My advice to you, sincerely, is do what you're doing. We had, I had an unbelievable opportunity to do AAA baseball for, for two years, two of my, uh, my sophomore, junior year, awesome. junior, senior year, between those summers. 
Um, and by, I could feel myself getting better. You know, I, it was a point where I thought, I'm not imitating Marv Albert anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm myself. And I'm sure you guys feel that way as you do it. So just, you could learn all about this. Marconi invented the radio and blah, blah, blah. Get the best education you can possibly get. Learn a lot of different things. Learn to write. You know, when I started out, it was singly broadcasting. And now there's such a crossover with what we're doing, you know, with websites and such. So learn to be a good writer. But just do it. Just do reps. There's nothing. There's some people that are born to do it. Sean McDonough uh, was my college roommate and now a star at ABC really? and ESPN. Oh, okay. He was he could do it right away. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I first time I talked into one of these mics, I heard my voice back and I'm like, what? I stopped and you just had to keep doing it over and over. You know, 10,000 repetitions. You become an expert at something. So if you love it, do it. Study hard, play hard, and uh, you'll be fine. Like just whatever they have on your campus for reps, just do it. You know, just get reps, get, just do it. You know, again, you want to know you have the best, most well-rounded education, but it's just reps where you're hireable coming out of school. I did, you know, two years of minor league baseball. So we, we divided it up, Sean and me and two other guys. So I, I did over a hundred, you know, baseball games. We also did the PA at the stadium and the scoreboard. Uh, the very last game of the year, Sean was actually in Rutgers doing a Syracuse game. So I did all three jobs. I did play-by-play <laughs> play and color, and I did the PA and the scoreboard all at the same time. So, so I, I turned the mic off, and I, it was – you know why I did it? Because I got four, you get $14 a game for each job. So you well, get I did three, three times the money. So I got $42 that night. This might sound crazy. Play-by-play and color at the same time. So were you just well, talking to yourself? So, no, so like the, face I, it to right I field. I also oh, did PA. And I had to do the scoreboard. So I had to turn my mic off and say, now batting Tony Fernandez. And then turn my mic up and be like, well, Tony Fernandez is up. <laughs> so I, I did it fine the whole game. There was a guy pitching that name named Mark Bomback. And he was throwing a shutout into the ninth inning. He was a buddy of mine. And so I introduced him in the ninth inning. I, I, I don't think I made, I probably made a few, but I, the only one I recall, I, I misspoke and introduced him as the batter leading off the inning. And not the pitcher. He looks up at me like, what are you doing? I'm throwing a shutout here, a three-hitter, and you're killing me. So beyond that, I, I was able to pull it off. So it was kind of fun. Matt Sossler alongside Dane Richardson and San Francisco 49er broadcaster Greg Papa. Greg, I got one final question for you here on WICB. You saw the Eagles a couple weeks ago. You saw the Chiefs earlier this season. Who hoists the Lombardi and plays on Thursday night next year? Philadelphia. And I tell you the scenario, I want them to win. You know, my brother was a sportscaster in Philly. Uh, Gary for a long, long time, WPVI. We lost him in 2009. So that would have been the championship game was emotional for me. And then I was hoping we'd play Buffalo in the Super Bowl. So it didn't go that way. But I think Kansas City, I have great respect for Andy Reid. And then I've, you know, I did the Raider games for 21 years. Yeah. So I know, I know the brilliance of those red helmets and those white face masks and what they do and the creativity they have going back to Hank Stram and Len Dawson and all the way through um, all the great coaches they've had, Dick Vermeil and, Obviously, Andy's state of the yard and Mahomes is that good. But I think his ankle is bothering him. Um, I think Philadelphia's pass rush will overwhelm him. Maybe not to the degree that Tampa did in Super Bowl 55, but I think comparable. I just think Philadelphia is the, the more physical, stronger team. I think it's going to be a great game, though. I think it's going to go down to the end. And if I had to pick a winner, it'd be Philly. And I'm also rooting for him, for my brother. And, and I want the 49ers to open the season, like I told you before, going back to Link and. Uh, Early September next Motivation year. Motivation Thursday indeed. night. Yeah, we'll have F to see. Philly. Let's go. We'll, we'll see if the 49ers get their revenge game on Thursday night in week one next year. Greg, thank you so much for thank joining us here on WICB. Thanks to Greg Papa for joining us on the Radio Row Review. Papa is a legend at his craft and an absolute honor for us to have him on. Flying coast to coast is easy when you're at Radio Row. Dane Richardson and Nick Lebrano had the opportunity to catch up with Jerry Recco from WFAN, Boomer and Geo, 10-10 wins, and Rutgers basketball to talk some recent basketball news to hit the local area. You know, being a producer and a sports producer on one of the biggest radio stations, sports radio stations in the entire country, Take me through your journey. How'd you get your start in sports radio? Where'd you go to school? How'd you get to WFAN? Uh, well, I went to Jersey City State College, and my guidance counselor knew Eric Spitz at the fan, and he arranged an internship for me. And so I started there in January of 1997. Wow. And I haven't left. Yes, wow, I was right. And I've done everything from I started as a tape op, then went to board op slash producer, then went to reporter, then went to anchor, 
and then from anchor to anchor slash part-time host reporter back to anchor and then with boomer and carton back in 2009 talking about working your way up right there they're pretty incredible and new york based wfan i want to talk about the news this morning kevin durant yeah is now coming to this city, Phoenix, Arizona, Brooklyn, breaking it down this week. Kyrie to Dallas, KD to Phoenix. They get some pretty good players in return, but you can't expect this team. Where are they going now? I don't know. I don't know. Um, when you had Kevin Durant, you could always make the case that they would be a potential championship type team. You know, I thought with what Cam Thomas was doing over the last week or so, putting up 40 points per game, three games in a row, and just showing the ability to be that um, that prolific scorer, I thought that Durant might see that and think, you know what, this is Kyrie Irving's replacement. Um, that wasn't the case. He apparently wants to just go anywhere where he can win quick. And I get it. He's 30, whatever, 34, 35 years old or 36, whatever it is. I understand. But it's disappointing that he didn't want to do it here um, now that his friend is gone. And let's be honest, the two of them have completely destroyed this franchise. And I don't think they're in bad shape. The return was a haul today. It the, was. The fact that Phoenix finally said, you know what, take Mikael Bridges, we want Durant. That's fine. I think between Bridges, between, I don't think Crowder's staying, um, between Cam Johnson, the four draft picks, the Dinwiddie, the uh, Finney Smith, it's a good team. Not a great team. They ain't a championship team, but I think they're a good team. And, you know, looking at the Nets, in recent memory, you know, you have two huge blunders in terms of trying to acquire all-star caliber players, you know, couple years back you have Paul Pierce and the Kevin Garnett trade sure. they lost all of their draft assets and nothing to show for that losing seasons and now you have the signings of Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving they're gone they traded for James Harden they're gone arguably three generational talents on the team at one point no rings to show for it maybe only two playoff series wins for that as well you know where do the Nets go from here they obviously acquired four first round picks for Kevin Durant this morning got some picks back for Kyrie Irving but how do you redeem a franchise that has had so much failure in recent memory. They've had a lot of failure. Um, I would say the way they're doing it. And I thought prior to uh, the James Harden trade, now I know that they had uh, Durant and Irving here, but they had really good players that they had drafted and were becoming, I thought Karis LeVert was a superstar in the making. I thought Jared Allen was a really high-level player in the making. And we've seen them. I mean, they've been really good. Yeah. Uh, you trade them away for a who turned out to be a dog here and James Harden again, didn't want to be here and worked his way out of here. Um, they had a restart. And you're right. The Paul Pierce thing and Garnett, they did that clearly because of the new building and it set them back this time around. I think you've got Nick Claxton, who has really started to come into his own, um, could be better on the offensive end. But we've seen his ability, I think, uh, with Dinwiddie back. Finney Smith is a great defender, three point shooter. The guys they just got in the hall that they just got, um, I think they're building. And I think it's going to be, I don't think as slow a build as one might think because I think they do have talent, but they're not winning any championship anytime soon. Here with Jerry Recco from WFAN here on 92 WICB, the Radio Row Review Show. What about the other team in New York? Josh Hart shipped from Portland to New York. That clearly makes them a better team. What do you make of that trade? Better team. I, but they're not a championship team. Uh, Can they win a playoff series now? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, where are they going to be? I, the, the problem with the Knicks is, and James Dolan was on, like him or hate him, he was on the radio station with Carton and Roberts last week and we're asked specifically about the Knicks and Rangers. And with the Rangers, it's Stanley Cup. I mean, that's what you're thinking. They're good enough to win it. And when asked with the Knicks, he basically said, oh, we're a nice, we're a good team, you know, but you're a good team. You know, Jalen Brunson's a really, I love Jalen Brunson. I think he's fantastic. Julius Randle's a really good player, but sometimes he kind of fades away. R.J. Barrett, I like him, but same deal. He can shoot two for 20, or he can put up 35, 40 points a game. The Hart acquisition's a good one. Are they beating the Bucks? No. Are they beating the Sixers? No. No. Well, it depends on health, though. I think some things well, could break their way. But that, you can say that about everybody. Exactly. As constituted, you're looking at Milwaukee, you're looking at um, – Philadelphia. I'm missing the other big team in the East. Who else am I missing? I'm missing one other team in the East. Um, it's not Brooklyn. It's not Miami. Uh, you got Milwaukee. Shoot. Uh, not Toronto. Not New York. Brooklyn. Either way, Philly. they're not beating the top couple of teams. So could they win a playoff series? I guess if you finish fifth, 
you go in a 4-5 series. But then after that, I think it's kind of over for them. I think a good team. I think maybe the other team you're thinking of the Cleveland Cavaliers, possibly. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, Cleveland's really good. But I think, that, you know what, if you gave me the Knicks and Cavs in a best-of-seven series, I could make a case Knicks win that one. Yeah, I think you could make a case. And, of course, the Knicks did not get Donovan Mitchell. And I kind of want to switch t- subjects a little bit. Stay in New York-based. Mm-hmm. Jets quarterback situation right now. (laughs) I'm sure you've talked a lot about it on the fan. Derek Carr potentially being released next week. He's got $40.4 million guaranteed. Raiders can either trade him or release him. Potential target for the Jets. Or you got that whole Aaron Rodgers situation. But, Jerry, who do you want to be the Jets quarterback next year? I want Aaron Rodgers to come here. I think it would be great material for us. I think it would be great for the city. It would be great for the Jets organization. Um the problem you have with Derek Carr is I don't know that New Orleans is going to let him out. So they're meeting today. They got permission from the Raiders to talk. He's got a connection with Dennis Allen there. I think it's very possible he just doesn't leave and he ends up in New Orleans. Um, if that's not the case, I think he's probably a good fallback. Aaron Rodgers is the target for anybody. Now, the issue there is, does Aaron Rodgers want to be with Devontae Adams in Las Vegas? If all of that happens, I don't know. It could be Zach Wilson. I don't know. Otherwise, there's no one else out there other than Andy Dalton. Don't the Jets seem appealing, though? Because you have such a good defense, and you think so. You have probably the Offensive Rookie of the Year tonight in Garrett Wilson. What did Garrett Wilson say yesterday? He said, we're better than the Raiders. We're the better choice. He said that. But is he he wrong there? I I I don't think think he is. is. I don't think he is wrong. No, I don't either. I'm agreeing with what he's saying. The Jets are the probably more well-rounded team going into next year. I agree with that 100%. The problem is, and I hate to say this, but it's true, they're the Jets. And his best friend is on the Raiders, and it's Las Vegas. I don't know. What is Aaron Rodgers' price tag, in your opinion? Um, To trade for him? Yes. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think the Jets have done such a good job drafting. If you told me you had to give up a couple of number ones, a couple of number two, I mean, okay. I mean... I love people that say, I'm not going to mortgage my future for Aaron Rodgers. Well, what past have you had? You've done this how many times, and how many times have you hit? They've done a really good job in drafting positional players, no doubt. Well, you know what? They're pretty stocked right now, and they're loaded almost everywhere on the field except for one position. So if you got to give up some draft picks that you've whiffed on in the past, what difference does it make? No, you got a point there. And staying with the NFL, obviously, we're in Phoenix, Arizona, Super Bowl 57 in three days. Who do you got? Chiefs or Eagles? Yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I'm a Cowboy fan, as most people know, so the last thing I want to see is the Eagles win. The problem for me by picking the Chiefs is I think the Eagles are going to win. I picked them in the beginning of the season as much as that pained me to win the Super Bowl, so i got to stick with that. But I really want to see Kansas City do this. All right, you and Al Dukes on WFAN have a bunch of fun segments, including the cool games. I just want to know, how do you guys come up with those segments? What goes into planning that? Uh, Al comes up with most of them. I come up with some of them. In fact, when we first started, I came up with some things to kind of challenge Al's musical knowledge, which I learned very quickly is unbelievable. So, you know, I would do those types of things. Al came up with cool games, and I think that was on a whim where one day we were just looking at the slate, and we were like, man, these games suck. And I, if I remember correctly, Al saw the 415 or 425 game. That was a cool game. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So that one is good. The fraudulent list of five favorite teams. I really think he does to annoy me. <laughs> um, and then whatever else we do is just kind of as it. It's only an hour. So there's not a whole lot we can do with it. But, you know, whatever. We have some conversations. All righty. And last question. Who on WFAN would run the fastest 40 time? And we're not talking about the professional athletes that are on WFAN. Who would run the fastest 40 time? On air or off air or both? Both. I would say that's a really good question. On air, no, no, no. no. I would say Tom Lugauer. Right. Spike Eskin said uh, said Keith McPherson. So that's a, oh, another you know question. What? Yeah, Keith is Keith is fit and in shape. All right, I take it back. <laughs> the problem is Tommy is like 120 pounds, and I feel like he could just book. Yeah. But you might be right, Keith or Tommy. All righty. Thank you so much, Jerry. Uh, keep it here. You are listening to the Radio Row Review on 92 WICB. Jerry Recco keeping us updated. Thank you, Jerry, for your time. Going from the court to the gridiron, heart health has been a topic that has been on the forefront of sports fans' minds. Joined along with Matt Sossler and myself is former Tampa Bay Buccaneer center Randy Grimes and his friend and partner in this endeavor, Scott Stevens, the president of the Cody Stevens Foundation, which came to Radio Road to give insight and knowledge into sudden cardiac arrest. I want to talk 
about football mm-hmm. for a little bit. You offensive lineman and the Eagles offensive line, mm-hmm. one of the best, one of the most tight knit groups in the NFL. Can you speak on what it means to be an NFL offensive lineman? Well, I think the Eagles are showing what it means. They made it to the big game, and it's because they have such a great offensive line. And even KC, you know, they've got a really good offensive line. They've been able to keep people healthy all year, and that's a huge. You know, the Bucks lost their center uh, during training camp, and they never really recovered from that. They had several different guys that tried to get in there and play, but, you know, the, the center is the quarterback of the offensive line. He's the one making all the blocking calls. He's the one changing blocking calls. He's the ones getting going, guys going in the right direction. And you got to have some cohesiveness there. You know, you've got to have a, you got to have the opportunity to have played together for quite a while. So you know where the guy to your left and right is going to be. And you can trust him to always be there. But, you know, the best offensive lines are always the teams that win uh, the big games. And going off of that, We mentioned both of the offensive lines. You spent a fair share of time with defensive lines, too, going and practicing with scouts. This Eagles D-line is something else. Yeah, and that's the way the game's going to be. It's going to be a smash-mouth, old-school football game, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, whoever wins in the trenches is going to win the game. But, you know, I like the way the Eagles play uh, right now. I'm, I'm an NFC guy, so I'm, I'm leaning towards the Eagles. But a lot of that's because of who, the, who their offensive line is. And uh, once again, an offensive line talk. My coach back in high school, he used to say, the guy put five fingers on a hand for a reason. It's supposed to represent <laughs> an offensive line. You smack you, it will sting. But if you come together and punch him, you can knock him out. Speaking about mental health, how important is it to have a person next to you and especially in a football situation, then outside the lines in a in a oh, you got, situation. Yeah, it's everything. You got to know you can count on that guy. Mm-hmm. And even coming back to the huddle, you know, you want to see a quarterback that's in charge. You know, somebody that's uh, you know somebody like Steve DeBerg or or or, uh, or uh, Benny Testaverde. You want to see that confidence, and that's what Brady brought to the Bucks. You know, I didn't when he first got there. I didn't know if he still had anything left in the tank, but I knew he was going to bring that leadership. And, and that cohesiveness and that championship attitude that that young Bucks team needed. And look what happened. You know, they went, they won the Super Bowl. They've had three really good, pretty good years. And uh, it's all because of his leadership. And, and not only in the huddle, but in the locker room. Well, I'd speak more on quarterback leadership. Jalen Hurts in this year's Super mm-hmm. Bowl. I want to talk about a leader. He's someone that this team has galvanized behind. Someone that has been an absolute superstar, not only on the field, but in that locker room as well. Is Jalen so Hurts, important. Yeah, is he going to be the factor, the reason why, if the Eagles' success? Well, he's definitely going to have a lot to do with it, not only <laughs> with his play on the field, but, you know, the things that his leadership qualities in the locker room. And, um, you know, he's a Texas boy. He, <laughs> uh, he came from pretty close to where we, we raised our kids. And even Mahomes is from my hometown. So both quarterbacks we have Texas connections to. So uh, we're excited about this game, and it's going to be a good one, that's for sure. You mentioned we, and we're also joined here by Scott Stevens, father and founder of Cody Stevens Foundation. I want to get your take on the Super Bowl here, just the environment being around. How's it like? Well, this is a, this is a treat to be here with you guys and, and all the media day stuff. Randy invited me because of my topic, which is sudden cardiac arrest. And certainly, you know, y'all know that well in New York uh, after DeMar went down. Uh, I grew up, I mean, my kids grew up next to Channel View, Texas, which is where Jalen is from. So I'm very much a Birds fan this week and uh, hope that they uh, they do what I know Jalen's capable of doing when I saw him in high school. And uh, But uh, my son was a six foot nine, 300-pound a high school student getting ready to go play college football and he walked by me one Sunday afternoon and said dad I'm gonna, I'm tired I'm gonna take a nap which was pretty unusual and he died he had sudden cardiac arrest and that's how fast it happened and uh, so we've started a foundation in Texas and got a law passed in Texas that when students get a sports physical they can get an ECG and I'm hoping to get that passed all across the nation there's a there's a lady named Melinda Murray working with the Dominic Murray Foundation in New York that is doing something very similar. She's working on a bill, and I hope that the people of New York will get behind that because ECGs will save lives. So I want to screen these kids, screen their hearts before their event, and we can find the if they have an issue. We've screened about 200,000 kids in Texas, and uh, we find about 1% of them have an issue they need to know about. Yep. How, how much did the Hamlet incident uh, 
affect your cause in, in current weeks just because it happened so recently? Have you seen any change oh, ever yeah. since then? Oh, yes. First of all, in Texas, we do have the law that when students get a physical, mm -hmm. they, uh, they can get an ECG. So our phones have been ringing from school districts across the state. We're in about 40% of the school districts now. I want them all. There's 1,076. I've been, you know, on TV, newspapers, Dallas, uh, San Antonio. It's, it's, it's spread. You know, my phone blew up uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out there. I'm kind of loud about sudden cardiac arrest prevention. And, uh, uh, yes, it's helped spread the awareness tremendously. I'm here because of it. You know, yep. uh, I, I called Randy. I said, hey, if you get a chance, push, uh, push uh, screening, heart screening a little bit. He said, just come with me. So that's why I'm here. And that's great. And, and athletics, it's, it's especially for kids, especially at the youth level, it's supposed to be fun. And for the parents as well, it's supposed to be fun, a fun atmosphere to be around. I remember when I was a kid going to, to CYO baseball games and, and knowing that I was not going to be an athlete when I grew up, but trying to have the most fun as possible. But growing up and becoming a youth coach, we did have an AED in the dugout at all times and something like that. That's is, awesome. is there anything that parents can do, coaches can do, to bring awareness to other parents and other uh, athletes about this? Well, number one, get your heart screened. Okay. Put, put them on a computer. Uh, you know, the stethoscope's a wonderful tool, but when you put 200-year-old technology in a gym full of 500 kids and try to listen to somebody's heart, it's just not going to work. They, the current sports physicals miss about 80% of the, of the things that can cause sudden cardiac arrest. By putting them on this ECG and doing a do, doing their hearts on a computer, which is basically what the machine is, we can catch about 86% of the issues. We're not going to catch them all. And certainly with DeMar, he got a blunt force trauma. He had been screened 100 times, I'm sure. And it was that wasn't, we would have not helped DeMar. But we will and do help students with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, HCM, Wolf-Parkinson's-White, Long QT, so many other conditions that we can find with a $20 test. Hey Randy, I want to get, uh, get your words on this as well. I just want to get your words on this as well. Uh, any words to maybe parents, coaches, on what they can do. And also give me, an, from an athlete's perspective, what they can do uh, to get themselves involved. Boy, and, and I'm getting so, you know, uh, educated on this. I mean, it's, it's, Cody came in and said, Dad, I want to take a nap. Got in his recliner and never woke up again, you know. It, it's it's It blows my mind that it took Scott seven years to get this law passed in Texas to screen these kids during physicals. And uh, why, why, you know, why did it take that long to do something for our greatest commodity, which is our children? And it's such a simple test. It's a $7 test and uh, it, it reveals so much. And, you know, he's got statistics. Uh, kids pass away every year as a result of this. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a life-saving tool that, that everybody has the opportunity to use. And we, we've got to take advantage of it. And I got a question for you, Randy, shifting to your cause, Athletes in Recovery, right. and how do you increase the awareness of that cause, and what are you doing to try and make that more aware? Yeah, and I was that guy willing to do whatever I had to to stay out on the field. That, that meant taking a handful of pain pills to practicing and playing through the different injuries that I had. And, um, you know, it's that warrior mentality, you know, the, the, the pressure to get back out on the field the pressure to not let somebody else get in your position and, and lose your job to somebody else. And, uh, you know, nowadays I face that stigma that all families go through, you know, with the mental health and the substance abuse part of, 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 of what addiction is. And um, that's what we're constantly battling against, you know, tearing down that because people are dying. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a leading cause of death for people 18 to 45 is opioid overdoses. And, you know, the, they, they're going to report that 110,000 people overdosed last year, but that's the most underreported number there is. It's going to be closer to 200,000. And I got one more question for you. You mentioned overdose. One of your predecessors of your position, Mike Webster, mm -hmm. that, that's basically his story. Right. Uh, did that his, CTE, did, did, his, right. did his career and his ultimate death, influence or map how you're doing what you're doing right now oh well he was one of the great you know one of the legends one of the guys that i looked at him him and dwight stevenson at miami were the two centers that i watched all the time i would pull up game film of them just to watch them play but you know it's so unfortunate what happened to mike it didn't have to be that way and uh I, but you know talk about 
turning a, uh, a mess into a message. You know, that really, that skyrocketed everybody's efforts into CTE and to, to brain discovery and the different things that are going on. And, you know, for that, I'm grateful. Unfortunately, it was at Mike's expense. Take a quick moment here, change gears a little bit. I want to talk about the game on Sunday. I want a winner from you both. Can you pick a winner for me and maybe an X-Factor player that's going to come out on top, being the guy? All right, this is the reason why. I'm going with my Channel View Texas boy, Jalen Hurts. There you go. Philadelphia Eagles. That's great. Yeah, and I'm an NFC guy, so I'm going with the Eagles, too, uh, by a touchdown. By a touchdown. We got an exact uh, uh, prediction that I like that a lot. I like that touchdown prediction. I got one last thing for you. What are your thoughts on Jason Kelsey as a center? Oh, he's a great center. You know, he's, 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 he's not uh, oversized. He's quick. He's mean. Uh, he gets the job done. He does a lot of innovative stuff, you know, that you don't see other centers doing. And uh, I think he's a great, great, great player. Thank you both so, so Thank much you. for coming on. Is there anything that you would like to say here to end this interview here? Anything you want to plug? Hey, well, you can find me on social media. If you are not, if you can't find me, you're not looking very hard. <laughs> uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that, Sober Center 60. My website is proathletesinrecovery.org. I also had a book that came out last year called Off Center, and you can find that at offcenterthebook.com. And then Scott, CodyStevensFoundation.org, and Stevens is spelled with a P-H. And that, uh, that'll go right to my email if somebody wants to contact me about getting a screening program. There are screening programs in New York that I can hook parents up with. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you both so, so thank much you. for coming thank on. You. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Randy and Scott, we thank you for all you do and for joining us on Radio Row. Sticking with former NFL players, Matt Sossler spoke with Ed Smith, tight end for the 1998 NFC champion Falcons. They spoke on the game and what a player's mind goes through during Super Bowl. Week. Ed, back at the Super Bowl, how's it feel? Oh, man, I can't tell you how much I, I get those goosebumps just thinking about this game every year. And fortunately, I, I'm, I live here in Arizona, so this is on my home field this year, you know, all the celebration and everything. So it's good to be here, man. And what's the atmosphere like in Phoenix? You mentioned you live here. The Super Bowl is here for the third time this century. What's the environment like here in Phoenix compared to other venues? It is starting to get busy. The, the, the interesting thing about our environment out here is our stadium's not right downtown. It's actually on the west side in uh, Glendale. I live about 10 minutes from it in Peoria. Uh, we're down here, obviously, in Phoenix. There's stuff going in Scottsdale, all over the valley. So it's a little spread out. But if you come to town and you're looking for just like an exciting environment, obviously the traffic's picked up a little bit. A lot of people in town. I think it was somewhere between 100,000 people, somewhere near 100,000 people are expected in for the game, even if they're not going to the game. It's all the festivities. So just, uh, you know, just an exciting time. And, uh, you know, obviously we've got this great weather out here to go with it. Matt Sosser alongside Ed Smith. And, Ed, you mentioned the environment here. That's for everybody else. The Eagles and the Chiefs, they met everybody on opening night. And other than an hour and a half each day for media availability, they're basically put away from all of this until yeah. Sunday. Probably not the same experience back in 1998, not as hustling and bustling back then. But yeah. as a player, what's going through their mind right now? Well, hopefully the coaches are trying to, because, you know, everybody says, well, it's just another week. You know, this game and this environment and everything that goes on is much bigger than that. But hopefully the coaches, coaching staff are, you know, after all the initial, you know, you get into town, Monday, Tuesday is a lot of, you know, media frenzy and that type of thing. Once Wednesday hits, it's kind of down to business. Obviously, they did a little game planning last week. But right now, they should be all be on lockdown, heads in the playbooks, trying to ignore as much of all the you know, outer stimulus as they can. But it's tough. You know, the 24-7 on the TVs. You know, I know the big-time guys, they got all the media, um, you know, stuff they have to do. But I'm telling you, man, this is – it's the closer you get to Sunday, the, like I remember my experience, it was – I just started – you know, you start to get those goose – like the, the nervous stomach and everything, even, you know, days out. And then the day of is unbelievable. But right now, hopefully everybody's in the playbooks. They're, you know, getting everything uh, kind of ready, uh, you know, the game plan and uh, just trying to put all the butterflies and everything aside right now. Let's talk ball. Philadelphia, a massive offensive line, a defensive front that terrorizes quarterbacks. They knocked two out in the championship game. How do you see that battle in the trenches going? Man, it's going to be tough. As far as Kansas City battling the Philadelphia Eagles 
defensive front. They, they are massive and they are skilled. Uh, and they come from all different directions. And, you know, depending on the game plan, they can beat you by just getting four after you or getting creative with their blitzes. I think the on the other side of the ball with Andy Reid, and I played under Reid in 99. That's way back, man. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, his first, his rookie year with the um, Eagles, not, that Andy Reid is nothing like Andy Reid of today. That dude is like a mad scientist. Go, he goes into the lab, and some of the things that he puts together, I think he's going to have just enough to keep that Eagles front, meaning the defensive front, guessing, whether it be a trick play here or a shuffle there. You know, we all saw that ring around the Rosie they did. <laughs> all kind of different things. I think they're going to do just enough to probably keep Philly, like, from being able to pin their ears back. But at the same time, man, that Philly defense – they can get after it. So, I, you know, I don't. This, that's going to be the most interesting thing for me is how both teams on both sides adjust after the first quarter. I think the first quarter is going to be like a good sparring match, little jab, 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 jab from both sides, and then the gloves come off with make the adjustments that are going to be made by both defensive and offensive sides. Matt Sossler here on the Radio Row Review, joined by 1998 NFC champion Ed Smith. And, Ed, you mentioned you played under Coach Reed. Yes. Coach Reed is becoming a frequent flyer here at Super Bowl week yeah. while playing in the game. He's made three of the last four. What's it like playing under Coach Reed? You know, I got him so early in his career, and he was just kind of figuring it out. But from all you know, reports, I mean, he's the same dude. This Andy Reed, is all, he's a player's coach for one. You hear that tossed around all the time. But he's a, a, a coach that I guarantee you he knows every dude on that roster, their name probably every day. He walks by me, you know, whether they're stretching in a line or whatever, just a quick chat, you know, that type of thing. I played under coaches that they didn't even know who you were. They had to look at your number <laughs> and probably the back of your jersey to figure out, oh, yeah, you do play for us. Andy's that type of dude. He develops relationships, and then he empowers his coaching staff as well. And that's the thing, I, you know, the enemy. Look what he's, he's done under uh, Reed. So I think between Andy being uh, the ultimate, you know, guy as far as developing relationships, and empowering his um, uh, coaching staff, he brings the best out of everybody. And my final question, who hoists Lombardi on Sunday? Man, that's a tough question. I, I'm, I've been going back and forth all week, and I guess eventually i got to make the final decision. <laughs> um, today I'm going to go with Kansas City 27, Philly 24. So you think it's going to be another classic wild Arizona Super Bowl. We had the helmet catch in 07. We had Malcolm Butler picking off the ball when Seattle decided not to run it for some reason back in Super Bowl 49. So you're anticipating another chaotic Valley in the Sun Super Bowl. I hope we do get one of those. I hate the ones that are over in the first quarter. So I do think we're going to get one of those classic ones. You know, teams, you know, trying to use their strength against the other. But I'm, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and by Sunday, I might change my mind three or four times on who's going to win this game. But right now, I'm going KC. It's always good when you have a topsy-turvy Super Bowl, the two best teams in the NFL. And, Ed, thank you so much for joining us here Appreciate on WICB. You, my pleasure, man. Ed Smith, 1998 NFC champion with the Atlanta Falcons. We now send it back to the rest of the Radio Road Review. Ed Smith had a ton of knowledge to give us, and it was a blast to have him on. Coming up next is a man that has climbed the ladder and has reached the top of the media sphere. I had the great opportunity to sit down with Chris Broussard, host of First Things First, and The Odd Couple on Fox Sports and Fox Sports Radio. I see you sitting over there by Fox Sports, chilling with the guys, and, and this environment kind of breeds that, right? Kind of breeds yeah. that 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 media uh, camaraderie, if you will. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's my, you know, obviously the station <laughs> I'm with, Fox yeah. Sports Radio. But I'm going from doing the TV show First Things First to coming here and doing the radio. So it's pretty hectic, but it's all good, man. It's great to be here. And you can see as the week goes on, you get more and more people here. Yeah, and, and, and exactly that. When you started off earlier in the week, you see a few faces here yeah. and there, but today it really started to pop off. You saw CeeDee Lamb. You saw Jamal uh, uh, Jamar Chase. You saw Joe Montana. There's a few guys. I was oh, like, yeah. whoa. And, and, and along with that as well, just the media guys and just being a college kid, 21 years old, looking around and, and saying, wow, I, I grew up watching that yeah. guy. You know, it, it's a really <laughs> a, a fun experience. But I want to get into the game a little bit. Super Bowl Sunday right around the corner. 
here, and, and everyone's bringing up all the storylines that go along with it. The, the Kelsey brothers, right, yeah, going against yeah. each other. The, the first time in Super Bowl history, two blacks quarterbacks going against each other in the Super Bowl. Do you have a favorite storyline? Do you have something that, that you've been looking at as of late saying, wow, that, that, really, that really sticks out? I'm just looking at I, I mean, my favorite storyline is probably just the game itself okay. and how like Philadelphia has an advantage everywhere except quarterback and Ken Mahomes, you know, which and it's not like he's a one man show. I mean, they got a solid offensive line, obviously Travis Kelsey and their defense is OK, but it's really the the great court, the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Now, I know he's not the GOAT. You wow. got to win a lot more to be the GOAT, <laughs> but he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And so is he good enough to beat this great defense um, of the Philadelphia Eagles? And will he get enough time? Because that's going to be key for the Eagles if they can put pressure on him. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this, too. I also love the fact that it's a story and it should be covered and should be addressed. But the fact that you have two starting African-American quarterbacks is not as big of a deal yep. um, <laughs> as it would have been several years ago, which is good. It means that we're making progress, and you know you're obviously seeing black quarterbacks all over the league. So it's it's just not as as big of a story now, and I think that's good because it means it's being normalized. Hundred percent, and just the exciting atmosphere here in Phoenix as well. Uh, is there any players maybe under the radar that you may be looking at uh, for this game coming up this Sunday that might be sweeping underneath the rug? Everyone wants to talk about the big names, but anyone right. that's going to make a true impact. That may be uh, unheralded at Well, the I think Isaiah Pacheco, who's been yeah. great. I don't know if he's even an under-the-radar guy anymore, but they're going to need a run game, too, mm -hmm. you know, to keep the Eagles, um, you know, balanced and stuff, keep them honest, I should say. And so he's going to be critical to doing that. He's been huge. Their run game has been better than, than it has the last several years, largely because of him. So if he can play, play well, have a good game, obviously McKinnon, McKinnon as well. They're going to have to not only run it well, but catch it out of the backfield. And and if Mahomes, if he is pressured, <clears throat> he's going to have to hit some of these check downs, you know, quick. So they're going to – I think those two could play a big part. Last question for you. Ithaca College, Wage Park School of Communications, big communication school, and a lot of uh, students look up to you, look up yeah. to you and what you've done. Any advice to kids that are trying to break it into the industry, maybe going through the first few years of college, getting reps in front of a microphone for the first time? Any advice for them? Yeah, I would say, um, look, it's a competitive field, as you guys know. <laughs> and so what can you do to distinguish yourself? Obviously, you just need to be professional and do be excellent at what you do. But know that, uh, you know, you're going to have to work hard because, as you guys, as I've said, there's only a few of these spots. You know, I'm fortunate to be one of the guys on a national radio show, to be one of the guys on a, a talk, a daily talk show. Um, so you have to work incredibly hard and um, and don't and be there's a fine line between like being confident in yourself and being arrogant, you know, and having a sense of entitlement. And, and you know, I started out covering high school sports. Stephen A. Smith started out covering high school sports. Uh, I did some work on the copy desk. Um, I when I started out doing television, I wasn't getting paid. I was doing it early in the morning. And other writers didn't want to do it, you know, um, didn't want to do it for free, didn't want to do it that early in the morning. And I'm talking about like being out covering the Western Conference Finals for the New York Times and being on cold pizza, which is now first take at 4 a.m. Pacific time <laughs> for no pay. You know, I'm not working for ESPN. I was working for the New York Times, but I did it consistently. And over time, that led to, you know what I do today. And so, yeah, be, be humble. And, I, and I, literally there were guys that wouldn't do that. They thought I was crazy, you know, and uh, who's crazy now. <laughs> so just be humble, believe in yourself. You have to have confidence, but don't be so arrogant and think, you know, it all and have this sense of entitlement that you can't learn from anybody. And you won't even, you know, do some of the jobs that aren't beneath you. But that could, could ultimately help you get to where you want to go. Who's crazy now? Standing on top of the Empire State Building. Scream right, it down to right, him. Congratulations, right. sir. Thank you Thank so you, much man. for your time. 
Really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, Good you as luck, well. Good man, with everything you're doing. Yeah. An absolute privilege to speak with Chris Broussard. An absolute blast when you get an opportunity to speak with someone you grew up watching on TV and listening to on the radio. A ton of great guests on this episode, but I think we're saving the best for last. The host of FanDuel's TV's More Ways to Win, Lisa Kearney. She came to Nick Lebrano and myself with all the energy ready for us and all the action on Radio Row. Yes. How's the environment been here on Radio Row? know you're doing fantastic things with FanDuel, so you got to let us know. I got to tell you guys, I am, thank you for the warm welcome. That was like the best high fives I've had all day. There you go. Um, I'll bring gifts next time, of course. That's important. <laughs> um, I'm just, you guys are embracing me in a way that it just, I feel like I'm family. It's like a, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about sports betting. I'm excited to talk about um, our responsible gaming tools and how we're, um, you know, really uh, working in the communities and, and doing some really fun and cool things and about Fandle TV and how we're launched and off and running. And uh, yeah, so no, excited to be here. College is four years, but Ithaca is forever. So now you're a part of the family. So happy to have you in. We'll get you a, a, a degree, uh, you know, as a, as a uh, honorary alum. That's what going to have to do, yeah. Okay, we'll I'll, find I'll a way. Okay. We'll find a way. We'll, we'll, call, we'll call around, you know, got to make a few connections. But Lisa, uh, job descriptions have changed in recent uh, in, in recent years when it comes to being an honor talent, especially now with FanDuel, right? Maybe back in the day, you look back to the old days of ESPN, maybe back all the way in the 70s, and it was suit and tie, and you had to be very straight, stern, to the point. And obviously now things have changed where it's a little bit more personal, a little bit more connected, right? How do you feel that that has benefited you in your media career? I think it's really just <laughs> spoken to my true personality is – what you see is what you get. Like I am who I am on TV and, and off TV. And um, it's a lot easier to always be genuine and authentic and who you are than to go play a part every day. Every time the light, the, the light comes on, the camera turns on. Um, so the consumer habits have changed in that everything is with your phone and it's behind the scenes. And it's, you know, the younger generation coming up is used to having access yeah. in a way that in the past in more traditional sports networks it's you know you present and you do the thing and you go to commercial break and no one knows what happens and then you come back on and you know social media and the way that um you know digital media has changed the consumer habit has really um benefited me because it's it's really fun to just get up there and you know hang out and hang awesome. out. and i love to have my viewers and my followers hang out with me because i you know I get as much from my viewers and my followers as uh, they do from me. And, um, you know, it's a two way, two way road. So the, the way that you ask about, you know, being a bit more informal these days is, um, it's just been really fun. It's a vibe. Yeah. If you will. You know, it's you, you totally just feel a vibe, it, right? Right. You lean back in your chair, you kick back, you know, you want your guests to stay for a while and they want to stay longer. And you're like, okay, this is great. At least I have a quick question for you. So you host more ways to win on FanDuel TV, uh, betting analysis show, what has FanDuel done for your career since joining and since starting this show on FanDuel TV? Yeah, so um, I've been in this business almost 20 years. I, I am that old, guys. I am. Um, no. <laughs> I've been in this no. business you don't a look very it. long time. So, um, you know, I've worked my way through the local news. I've done, you know, I've back in Seattle. I started in Montana. Went to Seattle. I went to MLB Network. I was at CBS in New York before I came to ESPN and did ESPN for five years. And so I've really seen all different facets of TV. I was shooting my own camera, putting up my own lights, maybe no lights back in the day when I was just starting. So I really have had the opportunity to learn every single part of my business. And when I left ESPN, um, you know, I loved every minute there. I loved, you know, the guests. I love my team. I love my bosses. And I'm so grateful for having that experience. And when I was there, I was I was an anchor and I was a host and I had that role. And so when I left and FanDuel started the show, More Ways to Win, and it was all sports betting and fantasy sports. Mm -hmm. And it was a new challenge for me. So I was like, oh, this is awesome because I'm, you know, I've been in sports for so long, but I've not, that's one niche that I haven't, um, you know, been able to grow into yet because it, it wasn't legalized yet. And so, um, you know, as that's grown, I've been able to really expand and, and spread my wings in that way, but also um, behind the camera as well. So I do a lot of producing. I'm, you know, I, I love the directing angles. I'm like, hey guys, I feel like we need to turn it this way or we need to restack the, the rundown to really, you know, 
lean into this conversation more and set up this. So, uh, you know, at, at FanDuel, having a smaller team, there's a bit less red tape and more responsibility that you can go around and, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And everybody's like, great, let's do it. So um, it's really been a, a great, uh, you know, ESPN was a great launching pad for me to be able to, um, you know, have a respected voice and get to FanDuel and be able to really use it. You mentioned the grind a little bit. Imagine being in Montana. Yeah. You know, imagine, imagine being out there on the farms trying to cover whatever's going on over out in Montana. That's real, by the way. Unbelievable. But did you have any role models growing up, maybe as a kid watching TV, mm -hmm. that brought you to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's the, the same faces that you guys have been watching for years and years and years. When I was six, seven years old, I'm one of five kids, and – I would be running around the house with literally a popsicle or a hairbrush or whatever. I'm interviewing my siblings and we have it on like VHS tapes from back in the day that are I, almost eight track tapes from back in the day where I'm interviewing because I knew I, this is what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be in front of the camera and I wanted to talk about sports and the, the women that showed me that that was possible for me as a female was Linda Cohn. It was, Hannah Storm, it was Robin Roberts on TV, standing there next to the guys talking about sports and doing it at a high level and very successfully. And I looked at them and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, I had blinders on and, and fortunately it worked out for me, but it's, it's a grind yeah. and it's a lot of sacrifice. And if you have your eye on the prize and that's so cliche, but the prize is the, the job every day. I love what I do so much, and I'm so lucky every day to get to wake up and do this and talk to you guys and go talk to my guys on TV and then come off TV and you know get to have more great conversations with people that care about what we're doing. Here with Lisa Kearney from FanDuel, and I could relate to that a little bit. When I was younger, my mom always tells me this story. We went to Puerto Rico on a trip, and I found my way on stage. I was three years old, and and uh, to this day, my mom says, oh, that's where it all started. I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks, Mom. Thanks, yeah, Mom. stick you to know? that story. There's I like pictures that. out there yeah. somewhere. I'm like, all right, I don't need me in diapers out there. It's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, just a quick question. You know, it's Super Bowl week. We're at Radio Row, a huge media event. What's the coolest thing you've done here so far? Coolest thing I've done here so far? I think it's just the um, – the players and the, uh, like, we had a Hall of Famer, Jonathan Ogden, on the show. You know, getting to ask these guys um, not only about what the players are feeling throughout this week, but, you know, talking to Donovan McNabb. We're going to have DeAndre Hopkins on the show today. Rob Gronkowski. Um, you know, who else do we have on the show? We had um, Brandon Marshall's coming on the show. David, David Montgomery is on the show. We have such great voices in the game and these players that are electric. And, you know, you get them off the field and it's, and it's learning about them and getting to know them in a different way, you know, a behind-the-scenes kind of moment. So it's been really fun just talking to the players. Speaking of a big game upcoming, big game upcoming this Sunday, of course. You know, I think there's – I see a – oh, Super Bowl. That's what it – okay, just want to make sure. I, uh, I think I've heard of the two <laughs> yeah, teams in the yeah. game. Yeah, I think, I think it's the, the Chiefs and, and the Eagles. Maybe. <laughs> I need a prediction from yeah. you. Who do you think is coming out on top? And maybe an X-Factor player that sure. maybe not a lot of people are talking about that they could, could do something big? So um, I just have to set this up with the fact that I am born and raised Kansas City. There you go. I'm a huge I, I, Chiefs fan. Say no more. <laughs> I was born into it. And, I mean, my family, we are rabid, just emotional Chiefs fans. So. I actually think the Chiefs are going to win. Um, I'm not at all feeling disrespected that we're getting one and a half points in the game. Um, I'm like, give us all the negative energy. Give us all the smack talk. Give us all the point. Give us everything that you want to because we've got a team that is very solid and consistent and has been here before. Third Super Bowl in the last four years. Patrick Mahomes is absolute magic and what he does every single game quarter to quarter you're like wow I, I can't believe I'm, I'm seeing this it's like street hoops combined with the most professional you know the way that his mind thinks and the what he's able to execute is just mind-blowing um, so I feel very confident about our chances an x-factor player I'm a big Chris Jones fan got it I'm a I big like Chris Jones fan. I played basketball in college, and I love defense. I married a defensive end myself. Um, Patrick Kearney, he played. He, he was a great player, um, and he's holding it down for me while I get to be here and work. But um, the work that Chris Jones has done all year long, 15 and a half sacks, fourth most in the league, um, and his pass 
success rate on uh, getting to the passer is uh, 21.5%. It's one of the best in the league. And no one ever talks about the fact that he's double-teamed double on 69.2% of plays. That's insane. He's double-teamed, and he still has one of the best rusher rates in the league. So um, Chris Jones, I think he you saw what he did to Joe Burrow. He, you saw him physically change the game in the way that the Bengals had to play. If he can penetrate the offensive line, the best offensive line in the league in the Eagles, and get to Jalen Hurts, it's going to change the way the day goes. Could be a storybook ending over in uh, in State Farm uh, Stadium, but I have to say, being here with you has absolutely been a storybook moment for our time here on Radio Row. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. My heart is absolutely full. And I got to say, I'm looking around Radio Row right now, and I don't see a fit that is as great as the one that Lisa Kearney is rocking hey, right yo. now. Superstar This stuff. whole thing. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate every second. Um, really, you guys are awesome, and best of luck to you. Yes, thank thank you. you so, so much. Thanks for joining on day four of our Radio Row Review Show. Special thanks to our general manager of television and radio operations, Jeremy Menard. Our contributors this evening, Nick Lebrano, Dane Richardson, and Matt Sossler. Guests, Greg Papa, Jerry Recco, Randy Grimes, Ed Smith, Chris Broussard, and Lisa Kearney. Lastly, thanks to our WICB station manager, Connor Hibbert. Be sure to tune in tomorrow morning at 9.46 Eastern and tomorrow afternoon at 2.46 Eastern for our big game update, as well as tomorrow evening for our Radio Row Review Show at 7 p.m. For our entire WICB crew and in Phoenix, Arizona, also in Ithaca as well, I'm Jaden Becker. Have a great rest of your evening.